You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Church, it's good to be together this morning. And hello, brothers and sisters that are over uh, Zoom or wait, no, live stream. I know some people do Facebook Live that have, are streaming now anyway. But hey, so it is great to be together and appreciate the sound team and the tech team and the, yeah, they need a round of applause because I heard they were here yesterday for many, many hours. So, amen. Um, I did want to say, that first of all, if you are in need of a parasol, I do have a few still over here in my box. If somebody wants one, please just come see me afterwards. It's, you know, we're pretty casual here, right? And then also for the restrooms, if you need the restrooms, you need to go in through that door right there, but then you're gonna exit that door. So we're not entering and exiting from the same door. So I just wanted to make sure we know that. But today, oh wait, what am I introducing to someone? Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Told you it's a little informal. Um, so first of all, I want to introduce a couple people. Some of you may know that back in, I don't know, the end of last year, we hired uh, Janae Johnson. Please stand up, Miss Janae Johnson. <laughs> and Janae is uh, an intern with us. She does many more things. I can't even get into how many things she does, but she does a lot more things. But she also is interning and helping us uh, with our campus ministry that we are developing in South Bay Church. And um, yeah. also, this last week, starting May 1st, is Megan Wickham. Megan, could you stand up? And Megan is going to uh, also be in the campus ministry, but she is also, more importantly, going to help us with our online presence with Instagram and, you know, help us be a little young. So, amen. Um, not lose the... the the, the OG, but, you know, but also add some youth, so that'll be good. But most importantly, this morning, we have a great, great opportunity to hear testimonies of people's lives that have been transformed because of Christ, right? Because of the cross. And that is the most important thing about being a Christian, right? Is, is well, it's one of the most important things, is reaching out to people and sharing our lives with them, and then watching what God does with their lives over the years. Amen. And 31 years ago almost, when we became disciples, I would have never guessed that this is where my life would lead. You've heard me share it often. I was definitely not voted most likely to be in the ministry. Nope. I know that's shocking to some of you, but yeah. So, but to see what God does with a, over a span of a lifetime of being faithful, wrestling through the hard times, fighting to stay focused on the cross, fighting through wrestling with your own salvation, uh, fighting through deconstruction of what our young people are calling of their faith. And I realized I did that. I was grown up in a church. I grew up in a church, going to church every single Sunday. I went to parochial school. I went to CCD. And I had to figure out what I believed and why I believed it. And wrestling through that and being faithful to God through all that and choosing to be a disciple, just watching what God does with a life is amazing, right? And we should be, I think we become, I'll speak for myself. I think I have become um, unamazed at times because I've been a disciple for 30 years 
and I become unamazed when somebody shares their testimony. Just like it's, well, yeah, that's what Jesus does, or that what's, what, that's what God does. But I think we have lost sight, some of us have lost sight of what that means in a person's life and in our life because it's become familiar to us. And so I just want us to really, as, as Ciara Thompson is sharing today, and as and it, we got to heard a snippet of her, if you were privileged enough at, at that time to go to Women's Day when Ciara shared. Now we're getting to hear much more. And we get to hear from Linda and Scott Thompson. And I haven't, I mean, Linda and Scott Ross, we haven't heard, I haven't heard them personally, but I have heard of them. Like I've heard of their story. That's how infamous it is. So, uh, and I was amazed just the snippet of, um, you know, spiritual gossip that I heard about their story. So uh, I'm excited to hear their story as well. But really, but I want us to remember this morning, brothers and sisters, is that let's reflect on what God has done in our lives. Amen. I don't know where you're at right now. It's been a heck of a year, <laughs> right? We're already three months into 2021. Okay, wait, January, February, March. Oh my gosh, we're four months into 2021. It's definitely not where I thought and wanted it to be by now, just to be real frank. But I still need to focus on and remember what God has done and what God is doing and learn what God is trying to teach me through COVID and through my own struggles during COVID. And so I just don't want us to sit there and be unamazed when we listen to what God has done in the lives of his people and what he will continue to do. He has always been faithful. He will always be faithful. He's never not going to be faithful to us. So whatever you're going through this morning, whether you're here or whether you're at home or on a walk or whatever you're doing, live stream, I just will hope that we are amazed at what God does still. Amen. Uh-oh. Oh, darn it. <laughs> Win. Uh, my name is Steve Marici, and uh, if there had been a vote back in the day, needless to say, I would not have been voted in to be a minister. Uh, that's for darn sure. I would have refused it probably anyways if it had happened. But I do want to uh, just talk briefly about or preface this with God's perspective. And I think most of us here understand the significance of Acts 2.38, the need to be baptized for forgiveness of sin and understanding that that's the point in time we are a pure vessel and the Holy Spirit can enter us. I think most of us understand the significance of Romans 6 where it talks about Paul talks about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and how through the waters of baptism we participate in that same death, burial, and resurrection which ultimately ends up with the transformation of each and every one of us as we are clothed in Christ. With that, I do want to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, the significance of that transformation for me and hopefully, as Jackie had talked about, I think as time goes on, sometimes we lose sight of that transition, of that transformation. And with that, we lose a sense of gratitude for how amazing God has been in our lives and this amazing fellowship that we have as brothers and sisters that are all clothed in Christ. So with that, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, 
and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, which is what he's still doing today, and we are all a part of that. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And with that righteousness of God, being that ambassador, the need for reconciliation, understanding it's not what comes out of our mouths, but ultimately it is what Jesus Christ talks about when it comes to being a light to this lost world. If we have truly become Christians and we maintain that sense of gratitude for what Jesus has done for us, that will be reflected in the way we live. And that's what these individuals are going to be talking about today, is how God has transformed their lives, the purpose it's given them, and the impact that they're able to have through that transformation. So with that, Sierra. I decided to save the world and use my iPad, so hopefully I can read it because there's a glare on it. But my name is Ciara Thompson, and I'm here to share a little bit of my life and my relationship with God and how it started, how it's going, how he saves me daily and gives me a life worth living. So every time I tell this story, well, this is the second time, um, it's an opportunity for me to reflect on just how far God has brought me. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Um, growing up in Ghana and in the family. Oh. the family that I did, I was fortunate to be exposed to God at an early age. Um, there's like a church on every street, a mosque on every other street. So some idea of God is taught. And I just remember seeing the salons, they're always called God's bless, God's blessing, or God's grace, or God's something in some variation of the local language. So for me, it wasn't really um, hard to believe that a God existed. Um, I grew up going to church with my grandma, and then when my mom moved into Ghana, or she moved from here to Ghana, she would take me to church, and that was the same church that um, run the school that I went to from Monday to Friday. So there was a lot of God preached around me and of God's goodness. But it wasn't so much the routine and other people's stories that made me believe that God existed. It was the just personal experiences of praying and him answering me, I remember praying that I wouldn't have nightmares or dreams, and up till now, I still sleep really deep. <laughs> so I don't really know that I dream, or maybe I don't recall that I dream, but I'm really grateful for it, because 
Sleep is important. Um, the other thing is just the comfort he gave me whenever I would feel like overwhelmed with life and I would pray to him. Just having just a deep comfort of knowing that he was hearing me um, just sustained me. And so I feel like because of all these personal experiences, I continue to believe that God existed, that God was real. Although I never did get the Barbie I prayed about, but that's okay. <laughs> so my earliest recollection of just remembering that uh, the name Jesus was when I was four and I went to Sunday school and I remember them t teaching us that Jesus loves all the children of the world. And I just remember a clear picture of Jesus with children around him. So that picture is still imprinted in my mind today. And then when I was like nine or 10, I was introduced to the idea of sin and Jesus dying from my sins. And I just was like, well, Sierra wants to be perfect. So here we are on the journey. Sierra is going to be perfect. So I, I kept praying for Jesus to forgive me of my sins and for me to become sinless and not have to deal with just envy and any other of those things that I was struggling with. So in very typical Sierra fashion, when I would hear, oh, Christian, good Christian girls don't do this, I would write it down. So good Christian girls don't lie. Um, that didn't work out very well, but I would write it down that I wouldn't do that. Good Christian girls don't steal. I'm not sure that the meat in the soup counts, but I really tried. Good Christian girls don't, are not promiscuous. They don't drink or get drunk. So I would just kind of write all this list and not really understanding what the purpose of it was or why it was. I was just trying to be perfect. I was just trying to earn God's love. And... And I just kept having a face. Like, I didn't feel, I didn't share my life with most people who knew me. It was just very surfacey relationships because I was afraid that if God, people knew, like, the real me, that they would love me less, that they would not want to be my friends. So, um, in all of this, God was faithful. He used all of this to just um, bring me to a relationship with Him. As Romans chapter 8, verse 23 reads, I mean, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And God definitely used my desire for perfectionism to work for my good. So when I first started coming out to Sun, um, South Bay Church, the Sunday that I came, I recall Kike, she's awesome by the way, asked me if I wanted to study the Bible. And the good Christian girl I was would say yes, because who says no to studying the Bible? <laughs> so... God was probably like, got, um, got you. So we, we began digging in God's word. We spent a lot of time reading it. And I'd like to say like, it was profound. I mean, it was profound, but immediately <laughs> it was not like, I was, it just took me a while to kind of get my heart there. Cause I don't know, maybe I was holding on to my good Christian girl and trying to be perfect for God. Or I just didn't grasp the gospel that God was trying to tell me or teach me. And so it wasn't until I was just sitting there one day, maybe, and then I just, it just hit me that God loved me just the way I am. And so that blew me away right into the Pacific Ocean to be baptized. <laughs> and I got baptized on November 15, 2015, and I lived happily ever after the end. Not really. <laughs> That's not how it goes. <laughs> 
So my struggle with perfectionism and believing that I am not good enough still continues to this day. Um, I struggle with holding on to hurts, which grows into a mountain, which leads to depression, different, um, which comes crashing down as self-hatred. Um, I struggle with being too logical, make, doing all the math, and being like, well, if this happens this way and that happens this way, this is how it's going to end, instead of um, trusting God's faith and um, ability to be like to overcome my logical mind i struggle with hopelessness and trusting god in times of just like need but god's relationship with imperfect people is throughout the bible from abraham to david to peter god has made it known that he wants to know us he wants to be with us that it doesn't matter who we are that he loves us just the same and so when I read those stories, I'm encouraged because um, as an imperfect as I am, God loves me just the same. And I know that the intentions that God has for me are pure and the intentions that he has for all of us are pure. I still have lists because I mean, obedience is good. <laughs> but the, the list I have is based and rooted in knowing that the one who made me, the one who wants the utmost best for me, the one who has plans for me and does not want to hurt me, has those so that I can live life to the full, that boundaries are good, and that in this life, in this life of living with Christ, I am living life to the full. Amen. And on the days where I fail and try not to beat myself up too much, God reminds me that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Right. Also, I, didn't, I, I, I forgot to mention that one of the things that was like really hard for me when I was trying to find God was just thinking that heaven would be boring. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I was just like, I don't see singing all day being interesting. But now, now that I have experienced God, I... Just I'm um, looking forward to sitting at his, his feet for half of eternity, dance parties for the other quarter, and doing some work for a quarter, because I'm pretty sure he has work for us. And I'm just looking forward to deeper relationships in the church. I already have so many amazing ones, which um, God has blessed me with. He's helping me grow and transform. And some of the things that I used to struggle with, and I'm still struggling with, they are not as hopeless as I made it sound like. It's getting better. I am trying to be less perfect every single day, and I am plagued by imperfection less every single day. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to singing. I hope to have a voice like Whitney Houston. Um, <laughs> looking forward to seeing all of you as with your faces free of the wrinkles of sorrow, pain, and, and age, and... <laughs> And um, yeah, just of, and full of joy and getting to hear the stories of disciples past and to talk to Paul, who I think would be quite humorous, but I haven't figured, I think he is. I think he has like dry humor. So I'm kind of interested to get to know Paul, who wrote so many letters of the Bible that we are fortunate to read. So I just wanted to tell you that this life of living with God is worth it. It is amazing. And thank you so much for listening to my story.
I believe we were supposed to have a song at this point, but uh, we're going to go ahead and bring up Scott and Linda Ross. Come on down. Good morning, church. My name is Scott Ross, and this is my beautiful wife, Linda. We are, blessed, we are blessed to be with you to share our story of how God has worked in our lives to bring us to him and to reconcile us to one another. Amen. Linda and I met in 2012 when we were both stationed in Nebraska while serving in the Air Force. While both of us would have checked the box marked Christian if asked on a survey, neither one of us had strong faith, convictions, or a Christian community that we belong to. As such, our dating relationship was pretty worldly. Shortly after the Air Force moved me halfway across the world to Japan, so we dated long distance. We got married in 2013, but it wasn't until a year later that we were both able to be stationed in Northern Virginia and finally live together. For the first few months, everything was great, and it was nice to finally be under the same roof. But unfortunately, Linda and I also started falling into bad habits quickly. We developed an intensely codependent relationship focused on our individual happiness and insecurities. We had no good counseling or guidance on how to resolve problems, so I decided to just stuff my emotions and do whatever I could to keep Linda happy. These habits may have been intensified by being apart for so long. Life in a new city, not having a strong support system, and not having real conviction about purpose. Slowly, I began feeling frustrated and bitter and depressed that I could not meet Linda's needs, and we were both becoming increasingly unstable. I remember many late night arguments and times when both of us would leave in frustration. As things got even more out of control, I started having tremors and panic attacks, which was strange because I had no problem going through some of the Air Force's most intense training. I'm sure that many people here can relate to just how hard marriage is, yep. and some may even know how much harder it is without God. I remember feeling utterly trapped and hopeless in life. I felt like a failure as a husband and even as a human being. I thought about wanting to die almost daily, and I even acted on it a few times. But by the grace of God, I did not succeed. Linda and I started seeking counseling both individually and as a couple. And we even started going to church occasionally. But it was ineffective in my mind, and I felt like I would never be able to have a healthy relationship. I decided to leave Linda in April of 2016. I secretly packed up my stuff, I told her I was seeking a divorce, and I left. Growing up, most things came easy to me and life was good. I grew up in Hawaii, so life really did feel like paradise. But for some reason, I always felt like something was missing. I believed in God, but did not have any sense of what that really meant. I tried to fill that void with many things, rebelling as a teen and experimenting with alcohol, drugs, and boys. Part of me even decided to apply to go to the Air Force Academy, 
for college because I thought taking a different path in life would be the answer. After Scott and I got married, I, I finally figured it out. After you get married, it's happily ever after, right? We soon realized that wasn't the case. As Scott mentioned, our relationship soon became an idol. Without God or a strong support system to help navigate the struggles of newlywed life, I wasn't able to process my feelings in a healthy way and ended up putting a lot of my emotional needs on Scott. Combined with how he internalized both our emotions, we were creating a real recipe for disaster and were increasingly on different pages with how our marriage was going. When Scott left, my life was shattered. I had made him my whole world and with that suddenly gone, I was scared, lost, and disoriented. It was during this time that I really felt a strong desire to seek God. I started reading the Bible for the first time in my life and started attending church seriously. I needed something bigger that would give me even a glimmer of hope that everything would be okay. Ironically, in the darkest time of my life, I began to feel true peace for the first time. I realized that void I had been trying to fill my whole life could only be filled with God. This pursuit of God, as well as getting professional help, was the only thing that got me through each day. Despite Scott making clear he was done and the divorce papers were coming, I continued to pray that God would change his heart and work a miracle. After leaving, I felt better, but I was still plagued by anger and bitterness over my experiences. However, God never gave up on me. A few months after leaving Linda, I was introduced to our church up in Flagstaff, Arizona. I was taken aback by how genuine and loving the small group of disciples was. I remember thinking that these people were not just the hokey actors that I was used to seeing on Sunday. They genuinely cared about me and even wanted to connect outside of church. They invited me on a camping trip one day and I was able to open up to the church leader, Ken Burford. I felt like once I started talking, I just could not stop. I ended up telling him my life story and all of my shame and bitterness I was holding on to. I was surprised that he actually listened, cared, and offered to study the Bible with me. After the first two studies, I started to realize how shallow my relationship and understanding of God really was. Ken and I studied every day for two weeks before I decided to be baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection and make him my Lord. I will always be grateful to God that his spirit worked through Ken and through those studies to reach me because I probably would not be alive today otherwise. One of the biggest things I had to do after I became a disciple was reach out to Linda and repent of some of the things that happened in our marriage. And the future only seemed to hold two options, reconcile the marriage or be single the rest of my life. I will be completely honest, even though I was now a Christian, I did not hold much hope for reconciliation. I was still filled with bitterness and mistrust. However, God was still incredibly patient with me and willing to work with me as long as I pursued him. I eventually reached out to Linda and referred her to the Northern Virginia Church. The fact that Linda actually listened and followed through despite all that I had put her through by leaving says a lot about her. Those stories where things just get fixed immediately are always nice, but that's not our story. The next two years was filled with attempts at counseling, working through forgiveness, trying to understand our mistakes of the past, and improving our communication. I was still struggling with doubts and fears, and we even had to take a break when things got too overwhelming. When Scott reached out to me six months after he left, I was shocked, overjoyed, and confused all at the same time. But what he said next was not what I expected. He told me he had become a Christian, so 
We have to try and reconcile because God said so, not because he loved me or wanted to. That sounded crazy and left me conflicted because who wants to be in a loveless marriage? But God convicted me not to give up and be patient with Scott. I prayed for so long that God would work in our situation and it would and if this was the answer for now, I had to hang on to that hope. Over the next two years, there are lots of hopeless and frustrating times. Despite not wanting to be back together, Scott was eager to introduce me to what it meant to truly be a Christian. He put me in touch with a woman at the Northern Virginia Church who I immediately clicked with. Alan Gloria Baird's daughter, Stacy Aitman, soon became a dear friend and mom to me, and most importantly, helped me to understand what it meant to truly follow Christ. On June 8th, 2017, I decided to, take, to make Jesus Lord of my life and was baptized. In the summer of 2018, Linda and I started reading Francis Chan's book, You and Me Forever. It was like a light bulb went off. God's intent for our marriage was to work towards being with him for eternity not in having the happy marriage. But if we pursue God first, a happy marriage will be the likely result. Eventually, Linda and I were able to work through our past marriage issues, and we agreed to see each other in person for the first time in over two years in August of 2018. That weekend, God helped me to open my heart, and I soon left my life in Flagstaff to be back together with Linda. In Matthew 17, 20, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. To be honest, there were many times in our separation that I had little to no faith we could ever reconcile. Scott's heart was so hard that no amount of repentance from me seemed to matter. Our relationship was basically dead from a human perspective. But God works beyond what our eyes can see and have more in store for us. Thankfully, he put many amazing disciples in my life who encouraged me to listen to the Holy Spirit and hang on to the conviction to not give up, even when the world said to move on. They urged me to continue clinging on to God's promises and love and trust that he would show me the next steps in his perfect time. Since being together again, things are still not always easy. We have had to navigate moving across the country, family issues, looking for jobs, starting a family, and much more. Despite these challenges, our marriage has been better than I ever could have imagined, and we have become parents to two beautiful kids. I know that this has everything to do with God and the power of his spirit moving to reconcile each of us to him and also to one another. I thank God for his love, his patience, his persistence in reaching us and reconciling us. We are so blessed to have experienced such a miracle from him. I want to thank the church for loving us despite our baggage and for telling us the truth, not what the world was saying. I finally want to thank my incredible wife for her patience with me, her pursuit of God, and her growth in so many areas. God's love for us is incredible, and we see that in the cross. But we still see his spirit moving today. I know that there are many people who are struggling or I know that there are many people who probably have similar stories to us, and there are probably people who are struggling with feelings of hopelessness. I hope that you can know, without a doubt, that God is always working in our lives. Life may not turn out as we hope or plan, but God has a better plan, and his spirit moves to bring us closer to him and closer to one another if we let it. Sometimes we just need to be patient 
pursue God, and trust that things will work out. Thanks for letting us share. We love you all. Not quite as tall as Scott, so I don't need a boom to get the mic up in front of me here. But uh, let's take this time to really show our appreciation for Sierra, Scott, and Linda sharing their lives with us today. Amen. You know, right now, uh, we're going to go ahead and take communion. And as most of you know, communion is also known as the Lord's Supper. It's something that's done in remembrance of what our Savior Jesus Christ has done for each and every one of us personally. Uh, the beaten, bruised body prior to being nailed to a cross, his crucifixion, the bread obviously that represents that body and the blood that represents the, or the wine that represents the blood that was shed for us. You know, it's, it's really kind of interesting. It gives us some great insight as to the life of Jesus and the disciples in that before he went to the cross, he implemented this very thing with his guys. And they, had, they took communion, the Last Supper, where he shared with his disciples. He took the bread, and when he had broken it, he'd said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, thinking this through, at the cross, God took our unhealthy lifestyle and sin, and he put them on Jesus' perfect, spiritual, healthy body. He did that so that we would have the opportunity in this life to walk in spiritual health as well. And the Bible says that through his wounds we are healed. In 1 Peter 2, verse 21, part of this is quoted from the prophet Isaiah. He says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, each and every one of us has been healed. You know, this Holy Communion, this time of reflection, is not a ritual to be observed, but ultimately it's a blessing to be received, and it's a reminder of who we are and whose we are and the price that was paid for our individual freedom from sin and our gift of salvation. It's also a reminder that it's not about us and our individual issues. And, you know, I think this day and age, there's a lot of them we can have. I think the, the situation we had in COVID brought, in some instances, probably to the forefront of really who we are. Yep. And this forgetting, not remembering, but forgetting whose we are and what Jesus Christ has done for us individually. It's about the price that's already been paid for us individually, as individuals, so we can become the true body of Christ, the forgiven church. So as we take the bread and the wine this morning, I want us to really pause for a moment and think through whether it was a matter of you becoming a Christian a week ago, months ago, years ago, decades ago, however far back it may be, but try and reflect for a moment on who you were before you entered the waters of baptisms and the incredible sense of passion and gratitude you had when you exited 
the waters of baptism. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you for this incredible day we've been blessed with here today. I just feel, as you do each day, I don't always feel this way, but I feel like you made this specially for each of us that are here today. We can feel the warmth of your sun. We can hear the birds in the background. I appreciate, in an amazing way, this cooling breeze that's blowing through here right now as well. But, Father, it's amazing the needs that you meet on so many different levels with us. And I pray, again, as we take the bread and the wine, we can pause for a moment to think through the incredible sacrifice that you went through, giving up your only son so that we could have a healed relationship with you. Thank you for Sierra. Thank you for Scott and Linda as they were very vulnerable this morning about their own personal walk. And I, I pray for those that have yet to make that decision to have transformed lives through the waters of baptism, that today may be a catalyst for that change, that there may be things that you personally are going through that you've told no one about, but knowing that God doesn't desire perfection. God desires surrender. And Father, help us to remember each and every day that we are called to be surrendered to you. Father, I do want to pray, too, right now in a special way for Christian and Tanessa, Magdalena's brother and sister-in-law who lost their uh, two-day-old two baby, Talon. Father, please be with the family. I can't even begin to imagine the heartbreak uh, that they're experiencing right now. And Father, I appeal to you on their behalf for great comfort and healing for the entire family. For Julie Hernandez's co-worker, Jason Gersh, who's in the ICU right now and need of a heart transplant. Father, I pray that his condition will change so that he will be a recipient for that and that he be blessed with that. And for Mia Steberg, as she continues in her battle against cancer, Father, give her the ability to focus on you, help the family, help each of us to be a support in prayer in whatever way the Steberg family needs it. And also for the butlers who will be starting with us on May 15th, Father, I pray that you provide them with a house that will meet the needs of their family. But more than anything, Father, again, we want to take this time to thank you for the gift of salvation that anyone who reaches out a hand to take it from you can have. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.